All right, like I've told the chat, you guys can feel free to drop a question. The only place where you probably get to. Uh, actually, it's not because you guys can go over to Lance's channel and give him some questions also. So this is the one guy I would say that you do get a little bit more access to. So if you haven't seen Lance Roberts' channel before, definitely go check out RIA. I think you won't you, you won't miss it, guys. Like I tell you guys, I turn it on all the time when I'm getting ready in my morning. So it's good to have you back on, Lance. Hey, glad to be here as always. Thank you. Of course. Let's get into it. First thing, of course, how do you feel about the overall market and any changes that has happened recently to kind of your year end outlook from the recent action? Well, you know, so first of all, let's kind of break this stuff down, uh, I guess, into a couple of components. Uh, you know, first of all, the market action this year has basically sucked. I mean, it's just there's no other way, <laughs> really just no other way to put that. We're not even through. You know, here's an interesting stat for you. We're not even through the year yet, and we've had more negative days this year than at any other bear market in history. Going, We have to go all the way back to 1974 during that yeah. major bear market in 74 to find a year with more negative days. But that was an entire year. So we'll, if we keep this up, we'll actually surpass the number of negative days in a bear market going back to 1974. Okay. Having said that, um, here's a couple of things. The, the mistake that investors make now, and again, you know, you have to separate yourself between am I a short term kind of a day trader or am I a longer term investor? Because when we talk about managing money, it's all about duration. How long am I going to hold something for? So if I'm going to buy Tesla, you know, it's very oversold. Apple's very oversold, probably going to get a bounce. But that's a good trading opportunity, not necessarily a good investment opportunity. So Understanding what your time frame are is is incredibly important to what your outlook is. But we're going to talk pretty short term here because of where we are. So right now, there's a lot of indicators in the market that suggest we're probably going to get a pretty good reflexive rally. Now, I can't remember the last time I was on with you. It wasn't that long ago. But back in June, I think it was right around that time frame, we were talking pretty much the same thing. We were saying, hey, You've got record bearish sentiment by individual investors. We've got you know record negative positioning by uh, uh, institutional managers, and this is a good opportunity for counter trend rally. Now, at the time, we were all just you know it's CNBC every day, markets in turmoil, the world's coming to an end, and then you had that nearly twenty percent advance from the June lows to to basically the, the middle of August. The, the point is, is I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but the market is set up exactly the same way. Real negative sentiment. Markets are three standard deviations below their 50-day moving average. Those are decent signals that suggest you're going to get some type of counter-trend rally. Now, what you need is either a lack of bad news or somebody to say something positive, right? You need something yeah. to spark that. Um, but the fuel is there, right? So we've got the fuel in the tank. We just need somebody to start the engine. Uh, and, and the point is, and the reason I tell you this is that if you, you know, if you've kind of gotten on the wrong side of this market, which was really easy to do this year, use that rally to raise some cash, reduce your risk. And, and, and there was a really interesting article out and we talk about this all the time, but there was a really interesting article on, I think it was Market Watch a day or two ago, um, talking about what central banks have done to investors really over the last decade, which was to extract the whole idea of risk management in a portfolio, right? Just, I didn't need to worry about risk. I just buy stuff and it goes up every day. 
And, you know, bear market will teach you pretty quick. And there's a lot of people that have never seen a bear market. So, hey, welcome to the party. Yeah. <laughs> this is my fourth one. And uh, here we go. Um, but, yeah, you know, so risk management is incredibly important. And, and, and investors are starting to learn this. But, um, you know, Bob Farrell, which was one of the great technical analysts in, in kind of in market history, um, he had a, a list of 10 rules. And one of his rules was, is that investors buy the most at the top and the least at the bottom. And that's because of psychology and where, where we get offsides in markets. And when markets are really under a lot of stress, like now, this is where we get offsides. We get too negative in our portfolios. So, and then we miss opportunities. So, you know, try not to panic sell here. You're going to get a reflexive rally. That's where you want to lift some exposure, raise a bit of cash. I can't blame you for that outlook. I've been seeing the same thing. The only question is, when will it come, right? I mean, that's the hard part, right? Timing is everything. <laughs> yeah, there's one thing indicators letting us know, oversold, oversold. Yeah. We we could see that. Definitely, we're right back in, towards those levels where we get oversold. A lot of times what I like to do is uh, use RSI and just use it more to the extreme. Where right. are moments that we've come here? And then usually what you see on the price action is a bounce following that, right? And so I think that's what a lot of investors are seeing. And that's why I think that they might have jumped a little bit too fast to the horse yesterday with yeah. that raising of, of course, the change in the Bank of England. Are you concerned about the upcoming earnings season and some revisions coming on in to take us a little lower? Yeah. So, you know, when you look for, so here's, here's kind of our outlook going into 2023 is, you know, if you look at earnings estimates for companies and more importantly, look at corporate profit margins, um, those are at a, a record level. And even though they've come down some, they're still extremely elevated from where you will be in a slower economic environment. Now, and, and again, this is critically important because where do earnings come from? Earnings come from economic growth. Earnings just don't get manufactured, although we do a lot of manipulation with accounting, but you can't just manufacture earnings. They've got to come from economic activity. You, you and me buying stuff, doing things like that. So those earnings right now, the estimates are, are about two times what the economy can actually generate. So, you know, and, and a good way to kind of understand that is there's an indicator called the Buffett indicator. And what that is, is the market capitalization of the market relative to what GDP is. And right now, that's about 1.7 times market cap to GDP, depending on how you measure it. Um, and what that tells you is, is that the stock market is 1.7 times more overvalued than the actual what the economy can actually generate. So so the point about this is if we get into a recession next year, which is is an increasing likely probability because the Fed continues to hike rates, uh, you know, that's going to impact the housing market. It's going to imp impact consumption as rates go up. Uh, there was uh, uh, several charts out today showing car sales uh, dropping markedly. CarMax, um, I don't know if you took a look at that stock today. Well, it's getting monkey hammered today because why? Sales were very disappointing. And see, and that's a that is the base consumer right there telling you we're running out of capital or I can't afford the payment. And, and, yeah. and, and here's the important thing. We don't buy houses. We don't buy cars. We don't buy anything on time for the product. We buy payments. So when the payment is no longer affordable, I don't buy it anymore. Right. And so you're seeing that CarMax is a great example of that today. So here, here's that's a long winded answer to tell you this. Um, estimates right now grow. So if you look at earnings historically, going back to 1900, 
from the peak of earnings on any cycle to the next peak of the next cycle, those grow at about 6% on average, which is exactly kind of what the economy grows at long-term going back to 1900, exactly what you would expect. Right now, estimates are above that 6% growth trend channel through the last 120 years of history. The, the, the median of that trend is around $150 a share on, S on the S&P 500. They're currently expecting 220, 215 to 220. So you're looking at a pretty decent decline. Now, what that means is, is earnings come down, prices have to come down in order to justify those lower earnings. And that brings your overall market valuation down. That's the, the Schiller Cape, your price to earnings ratio. Those have to come down in a recession. So again, you know, while, and this is what I was saying, this market is very oversold. I think you get a bounce, but I think we've got a lot more work to do next year. So it's going to be a bit of a challenging time for investors and look for lower returns. Now, trading opportunities will be good. If you're trying to buy and hold, you know, through this cycle, it's not going to be real fun. Yeah, something has to give. I can clearly see there, right? Something has to give in the data there. Um, now, how low do you feel inflation truly needs to go to see the Fed pivot? Uh, the Fed's going to pivot when they break something. Okay, it, the, you know, the, there's a lot of great talk right now about, oh, you know, when the Fed gets back to two percent, they'll pivot, right? Okay, that's complete malarkey, and here's why: if if the economy's doing fine, right? So the Fed hikes rates to 4%, 4.5%, pick a number, 10%, whatever you want. But the Fed hikes to a certain level and they stop, right? Now, now everybody's going, well, as soon as they stop, that means they're going to pivot and start cutting rates and, and it's time to buy stocks. Well, hold on a second. If the Fed hikes rates to 4%, unemployment is still low. Jobless claims are still low. There's no real pickup in volatility. There's no credit stress or what we call financial instability, why would they cut rates? They wouldn't need to because everything's fine. The only time that the Fed is going to cut rates is when something goes wrong. What would that be? That would either be a very nasty recession or a credit event that starts to threaten the banking industry. What happened with the Bank of England yesterday? The Bank of England comes out and says, well, we're back to doing QE because why? Pension funds, the UK pension funds were faced with massive margin calls because of the sharp increase in rates. They have collateral on their books that they borrow on margin. When rates go up, they have to cover that collateral, basically pay it back. And that interest rate spike was so rapid that it was threatening to basically undermine or, or make the, the pension funds non-solvable. At the same time, 24% of UK mortgages are what we call variable rate. You may know this back from the subprime days, right? Yeah. All those rates were about to reset. So you're about to have a massive impact into the housing market. We have that same environment here in the US. We just haven't got to the trigger point yet, right? We still have a lot of margin on the books. Yes, it's come down some, but we're still at historically high levels in margin debt. Um, the housing market is still very critical. People have been buying houses. And look, we don't have subprime mortgages, right? We don't have that. But we have a lot of people that were buying very overpriced houses with 3% mortgage down, 0% mortgage down, those type of things. And when those prices start to fall enough, that's going to cause a bigger supply of inventory to come to market, drop prices further. You, and, and so far, right, you, we had all these payment moratoriums going on. People didn't have to pay their mortgages. That's about to all play catch up because just because you are in a moratorium doesn't mean you don't owe the money. That interest has been accruing this whole time. And now that's about to impact household budgets. So default risk 
is really picking up here. But again, that's why you watch credit spreads. You watch your spreads between your, your A-rated bonds and your C-rated bonds. You, you look at your different yield structures. Those are starting to increase. They're not to, to worrisome levels yet, but that can happen literally overnight. And that'll happen if, some, if, the, if, the, if the Fed hikes rates to a point that something breaks. That's when you see the stuff start to blow out. And, and again, that's when the Fed will start cutting rates. But that's not when you want to buy stocks, because when they're cutting rates, you're going to be in the midst of the decline. When they get towards zero, that's when you start buying stocks again. So is the Fed being too aggressive here? Absolutely. No doubt. That, that, that's a quick answer there. Why? <laughs> well, I was this morning. Look, the, the economy has more debt than at any other point in history, right? 30 trillion in government debt, household debts at a record, consumer credits at a record. We're all dependent on low rates, right? So the Fed's here hiking rates on the short end, which comes right home into credit cards and, and other types of structures. Um, and, and so, but think about this. See, the problem is, is the Fed's looking at all this lagging data, like employment data. Housing data runs a three-month lag. Employment data is very shady at best but it's a lagging indicator. So they're hiking rates based on unemployment being very, you know, very low right now. So like, oh, well, employment's fine. We don't have to worry about it. The problem is, is that employment can rise very quickly. So you can start seeing job layoffs just surge literally in a month or two. And this will all be a function of, you know, CEOs finally losing that last bit of confidence in the market. So you take a look at the CEO confidence indicator. It's now back to where we were in 2008, right? So very low levels of CEO confidence. That always precedes uh, uh, layoffs and, and unemployment. Now, here's the point. Think about it this way. You're a runner, right? So I send you off running down the road, right? So you're running and you're going to run to a destination. Look at that. He's even, he doesn't get the right motion, right? That's awesome. Now, while you're running, I'm going to send out a runner with a 25-pound plate and put it on your back, right? Ooh. So so each one of those, well, each plate that comes, right, is a 25 basis point rate height. So I'm sending these runners out in regular intervals. So as you're run, you're still running 25 pounds on your plate. You still got this, right? Another 25, you're okay. You're slowing down a bit. You're slowing down, but it's okay. Well, the problem is, is that on the third or fourth plate, you're on your knees, right? Can't carry oh. the weight, right? But there's still, but here's the problem. This is the Fed, right? They're hiking rates. And there's a point to where that rate hike will break the economy. And when that begins to happen, there's still rate hikes that are coming. There's about a six to nine month lag in rate hikes. So the rate hike that's impacting the market now was the one in March. We still have 150 basis points of rate hikes that won't show up into the markets until next year, Oof. early next year. So as the economy slows down, you're getting more and more of a break. These plates being put on top of the economy. And that's why the Fed always overshoots. It's very likely the Fed has already tightened too much and will have an, a, a much deeper economic recession than people think. And the problem is that they don't stop. Each one of those plates are still coming into the markets into next year. Love the analogy there. And uh, I'm going to have to get the stronger back to the the handle that Fed weight. But Definitely. I think it's an important way to look at it. And one of the things that you even just did for me is make it a little bit clearer, too, because even myself, I've been thinking, well, I mean, you know, inflation's just so stressing that maybe that's just that, that needs to be the primary focus. Right. Right. Forget about the markets. 
But I agree with what you're saying there in that, you know, the effect that isn't felt until later down the line could be too late at yeah. that point. So well, uh, see, the thing about inflation is, is they're fighting this inflation boogeyman, right? 8% inflation. That's all we hear about. Five-year yeah. forward. But if you look at what the market's saying about inflation, so you look at forward inflation rates, what the futures market is saying, the futures market's saying two and a half to 3%, right? So back to the Fed target. See, high prices will cure high prices. And this inflation that we have is not one of strong organic growth and lots of economic activity. Um, what it is, is a function of all that monetary intervention that we slammed into the market when we shut the economy down. Too much, too much demand, too little supply. So if the Fed did nothing with rate hikes, that inflation is going to come down as all that $5 trillion of liquidity leaves the economy. And that's in the process of happening. So with them hiking rates, they're going to exacerbate the downturn in inflation. And the bigger risk to ind individual investors is going to be deflation, not inflation. And one of the best trades coming up, and we're very close to this point right now, is buying 10-year treasury bonds. They're going to outperform stocks most likely in 2023. There's about 60 to 70% capital appreciation in 10-year treasuries right now. I think that's an important thing to notice. You know, one of the things is, you know, being in equity markets and trading, you're always hearing people talk about stocks, 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 right? Well, there's other asset classes that you need to be paying attention to. And I think that's a great conversation that you're bringing into it with the treasury bonds. Last one I want to go ahead is you've recently put out an article about potentially maybe that big short squeeze coming. Tell us why you're still seeing this and do you think the, the rally is incoming and what are certain things that we should be looking for to see that rally come? Well, I think you're seeing those right now. And, and again, the, the point was, if you take a look at a lot of indicators, in fact, I'm kind of following up on that article on this weekend's newsletter on the website as well. Excellent. So if you, go to, if you go to realinvestmentadvice.com, there's a newsletter subscription button. I'll email it to you. Um, but, you know, if you take a look at things like the number of stocks on bullish buy signals, that's at the lowest levels we've seen since 2008. Um, uh, uh, investor, individual and professional investor sentiment is at extremely low levels. And, and again, it's just that all these, you know, and just all these individuals are off sides. And so, you know, when you get a lot of selling in the markets and we had six, uh, basically six straight days of selling, we had that little rally yesterday, gave it all back up today. That's not great market action, by the way. Um, but it smells a little bit of capitulation, right? We're starting to see these kind of bigger up volume days. Um, you know, when we get these sell-off days, that volume's picking up. So again, we're kind of getting, and we're getting these kind of big deviations from moving averages. And the important thing about moving averages is they're like gravity. Um, you can't have a moving average unless prices trade above and below that moving average over a period of time. So if you think about a moving average, it's it's you know it's like it's a fixed point in time, and if I stretch a rubber band as far as I can in one direction and let it go, physics says that it has to snap back an equal and an op, an equal distance in the opposite direction. So just and prices work the same way when they get too deviated from that moving average you're going to get that snap back towards the moving average. That's what happened in June, July, and August. We went from well below the 50-day moving average to three standard deviations above the moving average. And that was where the 200-day moving average was, by the way. Failed there and then came back down and have retraced that whole game. Uh, that's, again, that's not great market action. That's exactly what you expect to see in a bear market. 
Um, and also, too, I've been showing this chart lately about the 2008 analog that, you know, we're tracking almost perfectly what happened in 2008. Well, the point we're at right now was the low before the rally that we had before Lehman. So, you know, if we're going to continue, and again, look, I hate analogs because every time is different. Yeah. But the point of that chart was to show you that even in bear markets, you get opportunities to sell at a better price. And so, you know, the, the, the two mistakes, I'll, I'll close with this. The two mistakes that investors make are they panic sell at bottoms. And then when the market does rally to give them an exit point, they start thinking that the bull market's back and they don't want to sell because they, they don't want to miss more upside. And so the market's going to give you opportunities to sell. Just make sure that you take the opportunity to sell. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's just one of those things where I see, you know, a lot of people just always trying to play the hero game. And we know how that usually ends up playing the hero. And, and what I always say is even if you don't maybe catch the bottom, maybe you miss a couple percent. I think we're pretty far from the top, right? I mean, so it's not going to be the worst thing to miss a, a percent or two. So we'll, I appreciate you coming on. We did a little overtime. So you guys in the chat, do us the favor, hit the thumbs on up. Appreciate you coming on like always, Lance. And we'll have you back on. Thank you. Thank you.